minded ones. I'm not the one who got away. Silver hot point washing machine. Glitter across sides of the face. What is your favourite type of poetry? I don't know. So I'll just go with, I don't know. Is that a plane? Yeah. Hmm. I'm recording. Alright, okay. I don't know. I think, uh, I used to like the romantics when I was younger. And then I went to uni and then my taste kind of changed. There's nothing romantic about the romantics. No, there's nothing rom I mean, what's he called? Byron, he was horrible. He wasn't nice to people. Do you know he put a bear into Westminster? I brought a bear into Westminster. He, I don't why? know, he just did. He did, he, oh, I've got a bear, I'm going to bring it into Westminster. Mm. And then it was there in Westminster, and then, and then, and then, um, and they, they asked him to leave. Yeah, well, I think, well, <laughs> did they ask his bear to leave, or? I don't know. Or did they shoot yeah. it? No, 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 it was actually um, invited into the cabinet. Oh, wow. For about several years. I actually ran um, the, uh, the Exchequer for... Uh, for uh, about about five years, I think, in the um, in eighteen sixty three to eighteen uh, sixty eight, I think it was. Oh right, five years. Five right. years, yeah. Wow. Those are, that's five years. That was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That's five years. That was about mid Victorian, which is funny enough. That is actually about you know fifty years later than Byron was alive. It, yeah, probably. So it was funny that he got appointed for that time. Yeah. <laughs> years later. Years later. Uh, after the fact. Some people probably speculate that that was the beginning of his career in politics. Yeah. The bear. <laughs> yeah. Some would say, as a politician, he was a tad overbearing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was all that leading up to that? Welcome to A Lovely Words. <laughs> um, my name's Alex, and I host A Lovely Word. Uh, my name's Becky, and I help with A Lovely Word. My name's Rachel, and I <laughs> edit the podcast sometimes. Hi she's me. our producer. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's a wonderful producer. Um, welcome to uh, this this week's, this month's Lovely Word. We had the fantastic fat Roman mm. on. Did we all enjoy him? Yes. He was hilarious. Yeah, he was it, great. It was um, like a poetry comedy whirlwind, I guess. I wasn't quite sure what was happening from beginning to end, but I enjoyed it. He brought a lot of silliness and fun to the evening. He also yeah, brought a hat that said, um, a lovely worm. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you, it was a flap when you lifted it up, it said a lovely word. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, you know. He had a whole, whole briefcase <clears throat> full of props, and he recruited two stagehands to help him clear up his props after he'd thrown them everywhere. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he had quite a hard technical rider to suffice, to satisfy. <laughs> we had some great poets on, uh, which we'll, we'll, we'll play later on on the podcast um, but yeah um, good to have you here so next up we have Lucy and she did a poem about endometriosis which is very informative and empowering I thought yeah it's not an often talked about thing but uh, one in ten women have it 
and uh, it affects your body by going extra womb lining. I believe some of the treatments for it include some unpleasant laser in or having to restrict your diet and things like that. Um, but as it's to do with women's reproductive organs, obviously not much spoken about. No, and it's brilliant that this was like raising awareness of the intricacies of that illness, which is actually really common. It's just no one speaks about it. And she was really, her performance was really um, like vivacious. I really enjoyed yeah, it's, I think it also kind of touches on a larger issue, which is people who exist with chronic conditions or conditions that go on a long time. Um, and there is a certain kind of relationship that you end up having with your mm. disease. But I won't talk more about that. We'll let the poem speak for itself. Yeah. Here it goes. <laughs> Working on. Um, it's about a condition called endometriosis. So, if you don't know what that is, hopefully this poem will reveal maybe what it's what it's like to live with it. Um, maybe not explain what it is, but it hopefully gives you a bit of an insight. Some days I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship with myself, but that's okay because if you can't learn to love yourself, even the parts that you can't stand. How can you expect anyone else to, right? I've got my own personal lover though. He lives inside me, controlling everything that I do, otherwise he hurts me. But it's okay, it's for my own good, I promise. Oh honey, don't eat that, you'll regret it later. Oh, don't wear that, what if you get bloated? <laughs> Just stop fucking crying, I'm not going anywhere. Endo has ruined all of my relationships because he scares everyone away. Or maybe I do. I don't know. It's hard to keep track anymore. Just big, blank spaces of pain that freckle every single memory that I have of you. And I'm so tired. But I can still feel you though. The ghost of what was you curling your fingers around my uterus and ripping me from side to side. Rearranging my internal organs in an attempt to be rid of him an attempt to make me forget him. Hot water bottles, tramadol, and fucking soy milk, none of these things make a difference. A small window of time has been cracked open with a kitchen knife, but the clock is running down. Thick red numbers light up and count down the days, the minutes, the hours, tick, 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 and everything acts as a reminder. Pink slits on my stomach and thick hospital air, the spots of grief on my underwear that stain every single memory that I have of you. And I'm so tired, because my dreams, they echo with the pitter-patter of feet that may never exist. Running over a shiny linoleum kitchen that I will never own. Running into the arms of a husband who isn't real. Running into his imagined arms. What an image. But their faces are blank. Because my imagination cannot cope with the reality of what is real anymore. Blank faces and blank pages that reflect every single memory that I have of you. And I'm so tired. The space beside me, it's never cold for long. But just because another body is lying there does not stop him from getting jealous. Oh honey, have some pain. You can't hide it from him. Oh, just try not to cry, just take some more fucking pills. Oh look, he's leaving. Don't tell him, don't stop him, because he will never understand. And I think, and it does this on purpose. Don't you agree? 
to remind me of the loneliness that I will forever feel with or without him. Black spots inside my body that lasers try to cut through. Ivy drip bags and the empty car that tell of every single memory that I have of you. And I'm so fucking tired and I might have endo, but endo does not have me. Thank you. So this next poem that's coming up is by Tim Ward and it is a, a very sumptuous poem full of food references, yeah. possibly one of the most jovial poems we've had. Very I think it's uh, really representing the kind of middle, middle, upper class kind yeah, of definitely. Um, lifestyle choice. If it, was a, if it was a channel, it would be like, I don't know, whichever channel Gardner's World is on, that one. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. I, I think it would, so. yeah. I think it would be Gardener's Question Time on Gardner's, Radio 4. Yeah, I think it's the BBC Radio 4 of poems. It's brilliant. Yeah. Delicious. Although there are a lot of those, but this is this is sumptuously midday BBC 4. Just makes you want to have brunch. Yeah. <laughs> brunch on a Sunday with a nice bottle of Chablis. I chose. I had a choice between life and death, it seems to me, and I decided on life. Um, so this is fairly cheerful, and it is not that expensive if you put enough work into it. June 24th, 2007. It rained that day, but what a feast we had. What happiness. We had to take the table out a leaf to 10 foot long for, to hold 14. We queued, of course, and seen the butcher half an hour, and then the baker too. Veronica did wraps of courgettes, aubergines, sliced and curled like roll-mop roll herrings, holding parma ham, ricotta cheese, pesto, and rocket leaves, and garlic, parmesan, and parsley leaves, and mint and breadcrumbs, salt and pepper too. We had spiced brisket beef and new potatoes, little carrots, allspice, cloves, and walnuts. For salad, frise lettuce, crinkly best, and small-leaved feuille de chêne with purple cream to go with beetroot, dill, and olive oil. And the tatin surprise with oregano, feta cheese, and cherry-sized tomatoes, slow-roast new potatoes, all that <coughs> close in pastry, like a cake. We had poached nectarines with star anise, and rosemary, bay leaves, zest from lemon skin, raspberries and blueberries, rosy fiend in summer jelly, topped with garden fruit, and gooseberry fool with crispy carolina spicy chicken ginger biscuits. And with all throughout, the most delicious wine, cold white Germaine Dupre, a Chardonnay, and then champagne to make a good birthday, and then the Chateau Crown Bordeaux, a five-year-old from Marachaux. But best, we had each other in good mood, saying good things and laughing loud, with Jesse, still not one, delighted with his spoon, and Sarah loving Jesse, laughing at my rhymes, and John a Baskin in his element, the table crowded, with all of us ending, exhausted with coffee. <laughs> and then this is what I read at that um, meal, which um, <coughs> was fun, although it was sad. We were very poor before we had that meal, and so we kept rabbits for the table and uh, we didn't tell everybody we had them for the table but we, we were known to keep rabbits and the local vicar's children had a rabbit that was too big for them and so they gave it to us and this is called a new home for hazel 
The day we ate Hazel still hurts to recall. Their children had come. We had dinner. They all were concerned to discover how Hazel was faring. Was she getting thinner or under our caring enjoying the clover? But Hazel, being dinner, was over. <laughs> So, uh, up next, we have the uh, fabulous Benjamina, who did a poem, 60 Degrees, which is about her interest in the smell of burning, I suppose. But also she moves on to how humans can spontaneously combust, which is an interesting phenomena. I love this poem. It twists and turns unexpectedly and yeah, it does, really it? plays with comedy it's really good it's really essential poem as well like when you listen to it it's about smells and touch and really tactile senses yeah, yeah. it is it's lyrical uh, in that sense as well but it is a funny poem which is mm. it's not but it's not an out and out like punchline 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 it's more of the kind of waves of humour a bit like the flames licking up the body anyway enough um so yeah this is a great poem enjoy it it's actually really really fun and good and so yeah benjamina 60 degrees hi uh this is called 60 degrees celsius the texture of facial stubble against my fingertips I hope I never have to feel that again. No offence to the men in the room with prickly faces, but I don't... You're beautiful people, but I don't want you anywhere near my fingers. I'm a positive person, though, so for the moment I'll move on to something I do like. I like the smell of burning. Actually, just to clarify, I don't like waking up to the smell of my house burning around me and my family. That is not a pleasant smell. I do, however, like the smell of wood burning on a stove. Lying in front of it, watching the flames waltz merrily over the butchered corpses of trees. <laughs> Hearing their bursts of laughter and glee, popping with excitement, the eternal fragrance of warmth and safety and home. Imagine your ancestors trekking through the vast and wild land, hungry and alone, attempting to survive while searching for food and family and resources, the materials of survival. Doing whatever you could to get through and make it back to the community that was waiting for you, praying for you. The grey ghost of a flame you cannot see tickles the inside of your nose. Hours, days, weeks evaporate with the existence of those particles and you would feel hope and joy rekindled. Ancient magic. I also like the smell of bread burning. I know how crunchy and delicious the layer of charcoal will be as I consume it. Burnt toast was possibly my only questionable addiction as a child. I blame my gran, although I have no evidence that she ever purposefully gave me burnt toast. Just all the time she spent, oh, during all the time she spent looking after me. I just know that when she was pregnant she had a craving for charcoal and enjoyed the taste ever after. These days I keep my desire for burnt carbs 
controlled and unfulfilled, mostly. I do without because I know it's not very good for me. But if you burn your toast in my presence and it's heading for the bin, then I am intercepting that journey. <laughs> Once a cell reaches temperatures of around 60 degrees Celsius, it starts to fall apart. When it hits 100 degrees Celsius, the water in it vaporizes and it bends, creating a teensy burst of smoke. When I was little, back in the burnt toast days, I once read a book of strange and unexplained phenomena, probably called something like a hundred phenomena yet to be explained by science, one of those book fair books. And within those pages, I learned the phrase spontaneous human combustion. Stories of people being found as human-shaped piles of ash on an unburned sofa with no light hint of a lighter or match. Also cue fear, fear that your body, the very vessel of your soul, might at any given moment set off an entirely accidental chemical reaction that results in you burning from the inside out with no hope of help. As it turns out, all that needs to happen is for every cell in your body to simultaneously reach 100 degrees Celsius. Then poof, you are quite literally dust. I wonder what back then me would think if I could tell her that one day her body would torture and torment her on a daily basis, that thousands of little black hairs germinating unseen, forcing themselves out of her fertile skin against her will. Imagine that the only way to end that torment would be to lie down on a chair and have someone fire a laser at the root of each and every one of them for the sole purpose of raising their temperature to above 60 degrees Celsius. Poof. One by one. I do love the smell of that teensy burst of smoke. Thank you. So... We have for you a fantastic interview with the effervescent, bubbling, fizzing, um, warm, joyous Fat Roland. Yes. Real name, beep. I'm not going to say the real name because he just he wants to protect his identity. But he um, is the event manager from the International... Um, from the Anthony Burgess Foundation. Anthony Burgess Foundation. Yeah. And wow. He, yeah, which is a venue that... Seat that just keeps going off the proceeds of Anthony Burgess's royalties, which is amazing if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. It's like an amazing legacy project. He was self um, sustaining, must be. Completely self sustaining. Yeah. Um, and he had some really interesting things to talk about, and I'm definitely going to look up stuff that goes on there now. Yeah, me too. Because some of the stuff that has been on, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm not into that. Like, I didn't know about it. So. Well, I mean, he's doing a great job as event manager then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, he's all he's also won various awards. He is a really funny poet that's up at the Edinburgh Festival this year, um, and he's doing a show called Seven Inches, Seven Inch Records, and it will be on. Uh, well, we'll get that information for you, and we'll just pause the details in a sec. So yeah, sorry for that interruption. Uh, where, where is he on, and what times, Rachel? Fat Roland Seven Inch is on at the Laughing Course at the newsroom in the basement at one fifteen, every day. Every day, and what's the what's every day? That is from the first to the thirteenth of August. So he's there for the first half of the fringe, 
Um, it is 18 plus, so no kids. Um, we've seen an excerpt of it, and it's so funny. He builds a fake record store on, on, on stage and then makes terrible puns about bands. He's clearly obsessed with music and knows a lot about music. Mm. Yeah, um, very apparent. Yeah, inclu- made a really kind of, you know, funny bit about the Beatles, which was very risky in Liverpool, but, you know. I think that's the thing, though. It's like when you do something well, like a lot of places you have to be careful when you're doing local stuff, but I would say particularly in Liverpool and... That's just because they've had a lot of stuff lumped on with them in the past. But he came in and he did it with warmth, and that's the difference. It's not necessarily about the crowd, it's your intent. And he came in with nothing but love for that situation. But also was taking the mick out of the, the Beatles. So it was funny. Yeah, it was really good. Rather than falling flat. Yeah. yeah. So this is the interview with um, Fat Roland, and then afterwards <clears throat> we're going to hear a poem about existence and reality. Hi there, uh, this is Becky from A Lovely Word and I'm here with Fat Roland, our headliner this month. Um, and we're just going to do a little quick interview before everything starts. So, how are you? I am well. I'm very looking forward to tonight. It's going to be good. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, we did have you booked in for another month, but then we had an awful power cut and uh, obviously we couldn't have you. So, thank you for coming back. Uh, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Um, so, I thought... Um, we had a little chat before, and I think some of the interesting things I pulled out from it were you've been performing a, a while and you do uh, various things performing in terms of comparing and going doing like poetry nights. What would you say your favourite type of performing to do is? Oh my word, uh, it's really difficult. Um, so, when I, I love performing as me, doing, doing my thing, because uh, I get to be really silly and I get to do lots of uh, stupid props and uh, and sometimes lots of strange audio. So that's got to be the best thing. But there's nothing better really than um, kind of comparing a night where uh, the night might be a little bit... Um, a little bit sort of chaotic and a bit, you know, sort of uh, a, bit, a bit looser on the edges. And I really enjoy those kind of nights. I think that's a really, like, I like that about open mics is you never really know what you're going to get. And I think, uh, you know, there's always some kind of hidden gem that pops out at you that you get to kind of see that you've never seen before. Yeah, and also you get to see people who who start off really nervous. Like, they know they want to do something, but they're shaking like a leaf. And then suddenly, I mean, there's there's, there's one guy you end up... um, Sort of crowd surfing at rock concerts <laughs> while doing poetry, and he was, you know, he was so quiet before. Um, hello, Zach, if you're listening, um, and it's just amazing, it's really, really good fun. Um, so yeah, but I, I quite like the, the variance of all that, really. Yeah, uh, that's that's like one of the our favorite things about a lovely word as well. Um, and I believe we take a break in August for because obviously a lot of artists are doing Edinburgh and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and I believe that you might be taking something up there yourself. My, I just might, yeah, I've got a show, um, it's called seven inch and it's set in a, an imaginary existential record shop um, and that is so that starts on August the 1st so if you just go to the Edinburgh Fringe app and you just put in Fat Roland it'll come up it'll be there um, so yeah come and see that everyone so and I'm, I'm working on that at the moment um, just trying to uh, work out how I take the show I did it at Lowry last year 
Um, so it's a Lowry commission, but then I'm having to sort of adapt it because they've got a beautiful big theatre space where I could just like be a superstar. And then I'm going to be in a little more of a, a boxy sort of 60 seater. Um, so I've got to work out how the show is going to appear in that space. But the best thing is it's going to be way more sort of up close and personal and um, and I'll be able to see the, the white of people's terrified eyes. It's going to be really good fun. It's going to be really great. <laughs> That's really uh, such a big difference, isn't it, I guess, between like a big venue and a small venue. And in terms of that kind of intimate thing, you get much more interaction with your audience or just bounce back off what they're feeling, if yeah. you know what I mean. And, and, and I, really like, um, I really like silence. Silence is really good because it makes the audience confused. And then, uh, but I really like also, because it can be quite imposing, is when, when I approach the audience, you're like, oh, no, what's he going to do? So there's, there's, I really like that sort of, that sort of play. And uh, and I've done you know I've done done like proper proper theatres you know with <laughs> proper stage and curtains and all that kind of stuff and that's got its own amazingness to it but I I just like I think I don't know if if you're like it I just like I like smaller gigs and then you go to a, like a big arena gig mm-hmm. and the bands on and just a bit lost I'd rather it be much sort of closer. It's better, yeah. right? I went to see... I think that's one of the similarities between poetry and comedy, actually. I think I went to see... Um, I've been to see Holly McNish at a medium-sized venue, and I went to see uh, James Acaster, the comedian, recently, yeah. at the uh, new M- M&S Bank Arena, which used to be called the Echo Arena in Liverpool. But it... Um, I take it everyone still calls it the Echo Arena. Well, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, the Eagles were on at the same time as James Acaster because wow. they've got like a little auditorium room in there. Um, but I was, I was a bit like, oh, I hope it's not in the big arena. I didn't really realise what was happening. If I'm honest, when I was going down, I was like, I hope it's not in there because uh-huh. I don't, I don't like that distance away from the comedian. And even in the medium-sized yeah. venue, I could feel it. Whereas normally I would go to like maybe a bit of a smaller thing to see people because it that kind of one-man show thing is all about your interaction with the audience. I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, and actually, I think that I think it's a different gig then. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you're not, you can't react to the audience in the same way, um, because you're not getting that sort of. So, so a lot, a lot of the, the best gigs I feel I do is when the audience gives back something unexpected. Yeah. But you can only really do that when you're kind of you're quite close, and festival gigs can be difficult also because often those kind of stages that there's usually quite a, a sort of big gap of grass between you and the first audience person so you still have to treat it like it's a bigger a bigger sort of gig um whereas uh you know when if you're if the audience is right up close oh, it's so much better i think this is this is why this is my excuse that in five years time when I am entirely unsuccessful, this is my excuse. <laughs> so that's why I do really small venues. Um, and also, uh, part of my performances, I use props and I drop things on the floor. Uh, so I do quite a bit of littering. I, I apologise in advance for no, tonight. Okay. I do quite a bit of littering. Um, and it's quite fun when I sort of, you know, accidentally hit people. Uh, nurse health and safety. But yeah, no, I quite like we, we get We get like the odd person who comes with like. Um, Ali, who runs a night here called Live Abards, he uh, comes. He's been working on illustrations with his poems, so he comes with his poems with illustrations on the back, and it like holds them up. Yeah. And they're yeah. supposed to be like multi-age poems, so they're aimed at children and adults. Yeah. And then we also had uh, Joy Francis headline one time. <sighs> yeah. And she 
has like masks and all sorts of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, she's got, she's, got, she's got her panda head and um, Joy's kind of, uh, and she's done stuff with like smells yeah. as part of her thing as well. And Joy's kind of, um, I think Joy's a bit of a genius really. Have you um, seen her shop in Affleck's Palace in Manchester? Uh, do you know, I've not yet seen it, and it's I feel, I, I, just know, I never get that part of uh, during the day, really. It's but like a little cove of madness. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do, uh, yeah, and again, Joy, if you're listening, I really should have been by now. It's, you've, it's, it started a long time ago. Um, yeah, I really like it when people try uh, different stuff. I kind of think if you're on an open mic list and there's 10, 15 acts or whatever, um, why would you not try and be the person that people remember? And so I've got this advantage, I suppose, of using cartoons with things written on the back and, and the weird shaped oh. you know, things where I think I started doing that because I just wanted to be remembered. As long as you're not substituting that for content. Like you've still, exactly. you still got to be a good writer and enjoy yeah. the writing bit. If that starts, you're in trouble, I think. But um, um, yeah, why would you not be creative and, and use different senses and, and just yeah. do something a bit fun and weird well uh, coming on to this you just mentioned before that you do you compare bad language in manchester yeah. one when and where is it and two what is your favorite thing about comparing that night uh, so bad language is at uh, gulliver's uh, which is just off piccadilly gardens in manchester um, it's every last wednesday apart from christmas um and we have a bunch of open mic acts on, we have a headliner, um, and uh, half of the open mic acts are people that have never performed with us before, so we, we get a lot, so sometimes we get people that are completely new to performing, uh, but, the, but the audience understands that, uh, and I think the best thing about it is just, um, it, it's so strange to have an audience that is quite, can be quite hyped and quite really into it, but also they actually listen. I mean, yeah. actually sit there and listen, which is just amazing. Because um, we we're not a poet, you know, and I'm not a poet, really. Oh, I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> I'm not really a poet. I, I'm a short story writer, but um, <laughs> I accidentally do poetry things. And, um, and we don't do it as a poetry night. It's fiction as well, and people read bits from novels and stuff. And people are really good at listening. Mm. So that, that's, that's the best bit. I also do lots of really... I just prance around being stupid. And, oh, right. Okay. And, and, and as unprofessional a host as I possibly can be, and that makes everyone else look really good. Oh, that's <laughs> fab. Oh, well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm looking sure. forward to your uh, headline set, and uh, that's the end. Yeah, thank you very much. Our lovely word. I've just written a little short story about friendship. Music is my real friend, I say to the dog. <laughs> but all he hears is woof, woof, woof. Because I am a dog too. <laughs> woof, woof, says the other dog. And I'm not really listening because I am smelling his ass. <laughs> I have a problem maintaining real life friendships. I speculate in woofs. I can't imagine why. Grr, bark, bark, 
says the other dog and I consider what he says really consider what he says after some thinking time which is hard for a dog I say shush and I run a paw down his bottom <laughs> and we listen to the silence forever thank you <laughs> It's been a great podcast, isn't it? That was lovely. Oh, it was words. I've enjoyed all of the sentences and the full stops. Mm. Great chat. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing weird happened, so that was good. Um, great on Jean Mont, guys. <laughs> yeah, so we're taking a month off in August, and then we're coming back the second week of September um, with a whole load of new poets that were TBC at the moment. We're not going to announce them um, yet because we're announcing them as a season. How exciting! How exciting! Mm. And it's a proper curated season, and we'll have workshops and many other things with that as well. So see you in October. Have a good summer. Um, that's September and November. <laughs> see you soon. Bye. Bye.